He eyed me through the thick lenses of his wire rims, and in a voice taut and unnaturally even, said, Let me get one thing straight here. Nothing about this is funny. Nothing. I thought for a wild second he'd been drugged or something. Then he shook his head and brought himself back. Shit, listen to me. I drag you out here, then start wailing on you. I studied him, a skinny kid with curly hair in need of a trim, a comb, or both. There was something about the way he carried himself, on the verge of exploding from repressed energy, that took at least ten years off his age. He still got carded occasionally, even though he'd never see his twenties again. Although he managed to harness his cynicism and energy for his job, he didn't have much time for the pretensions and bureaucracy that went with it. Next to Jeff, I felt older and more a part of the establishment than I cared to. That's okay, I said, and gestured toward a chair. So tell me, what's this all about? Sitting with Jeff through the late innings of a tight game is like watching a lizard trying to keep its feet from scorching on a rock. He just can't sit still. Now he couldn't even sit. With his head bowed and hands shoved deep into his pockets, he paced the length of the table. I waited and tried not to think about the DC-10 circling Chicago. Finally, I said, Jeff, talk to me. It's about keeping my mouth shut. That's what it's about. Then, as though he'd pondered that notion as long as possible, he jumped subjects. You know, when I was a kid, the absolute worst punishment my parents could inflict on me wasn't a spanking. It wasn't pulling the plug on the TV. It was sending me to my room and forcing me to sit in there with the door shut. He kicked at the table's leg as he passed it. When he spoke, there was that eerie, hypnotic quality to his tone again. I can't stand being closed in anywhere. Small rooms remind me of coffins. We'll get you out of here. I leaned on the table and tried to make eye contact with him. Just tell me what happened. He looked at me and said, That's one reason I became a reporter, you know? No cubicles, no office hours. He turned away. Shit, so what do I get locked up for? For being a goddamned reporter. That's great, just great. Fan-fucking-tastic. I wanted to throttle the story out of him. Instead, I swallowed and said, Okay, you're in here for contempt. Can they do that? Isn't there something called reporter's privilege? Abruptly, he stopped, and, hands gripping the table's edge as though he were about to overturn it, said, Can they do that? I'm in here, aren't I? Reporter's privilege means shit in this fascist town. I let Jeff figure out for himself that he was edging toward the line that separates a sympathetic pawn of an unjust system from an asshole. After a minute, he smiled slightly, nodded, and finally sat in one of the chairs. But he kept his hands moving. Okay, it works like this. If they can prove that they've exhausted all other sources, if they can prove that I'm the only one who can give them the answer, then yeah, they can find me in contempt. What was it? A grand jury hearing? Yeah. Well, isn't there some limit? I mean, they can't keep you in here forever. He looked at me, his eyes narrowed, and I knew that was the wrong thing to say. I know of one poor son of a bitch they locked up for forty-five days for not revealing a source. He paused, shook his head, then added, I'll be a fucking lunatic way before then. I won't make it. I jumped in before he could elaborate. So talk to me. What do you know that no one else knows? He took a deep breath, and I tried not to appear too hopeful.